0: Dang! Aren't you glad you came to church today? Wow! That was so good. Jane, you even loved it, didn't you? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Man, that was so good. So good. Well, good morning, I hope you're having fun this morning. We love to have a little fun at this church, especially in the summertime, and uh, I was so excited to hear the band play that song, and they nailed it, nailed it. So as Kristen mentioned, that song was released in 1986. Uh, a song called Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. And it topped the the charts in the band's third album, which was called Slippery When Wet. And the song hit number one on Billboard's Top 100 from February 14th, 1987 to March 14th, 1987. And it has since been voted one of the all-time great rock songs from the 1980s by VH1, Billboard, and Rolling Stone. If you have not heard that song before, You've been living under a rock, and it's good to have you among us this morning. So, in addition to the just just uh, amazing driving rock rhythm and catchy melody, "Living on a Prayer," it actually tells the story of two characters, Tommy and Gina. They're a working class couple who are straight making um, ends meet. They're having struggling to make ends meet, and Tommy loses his job. I know it stinks. And uh, he loses his job as a dock worker due to strike while Gina works as a diner waitress. And times have gotten tough for them. And instead of giving in and throwing in the towel, they are, as the song says, deciding to live on a prayer. It's what's going to sustain them, they believe. Now, at nine years old, I distinctly remember my sister I know some of you are like, you were nine then? Yeah, I was nine then. Uh, Getting the Slippery When Wet cassette tape. And uh, we fought over it. I tried to steal it from her. But it was a standard in my Walkman, right? You all remember the Walkman? You remember the Walkman? Some of you don't. Look it up. Google it. It's all right. I put it, you know, it was, it was constantly in our boombox, in the, in the garage. We were always listening to Bon Jovi. And little did I know that in that moment, 35 years later, I would be preaching a sermon on it. Uh, God was working in all of that. He really was. Now, in addition to one of the most popular songs of the 1980s, the song is, in many ways, I believe, an anthem for what it means to follow Jesus. Like it did for Tommy and Gina, prayer becomes foundational for someone who decides to receive the grace and love of God through Jesus Christ into their lives. Prayer becomes an essential practice for us to sustain the faith that we have in our Savior. Now that said, I think and believe we've likely only scratched the surface on what prayer can and ought to be in our lives. I think that for most, prayer is like it was for Tommy and Gina. Tommy loses his job. Gina is working her tail off to try and make ends meet. They aren't sure what's going to happen next. They're desperate for answers and comfort. And so they reach for a lifeline in the form of prayer, and they hold on to it for dear life. In fact, the song says that they decide we're going to live on this prayer to make it through to the end. But what happens when they get the answers they want? What happens when the union stops striking and Tommy goes back to work and he and Gina begin to live the way they really want to? Is that song or that lyric, living on a prayer, still part of their lives? Or have they moved on? To get to the bottom of these questions, we're going to look at, to the source of prayer in the Bible. And so if you uh, have your phone, you can open up the YouVersion app and uh, you can turn with me in 1 Thessalonians if you have your Bible with me. And uh, we're going to read one of the more famous passages on prayer in the entire Scripture. And in this passage, Paul is wrapping up this letter that he has wrote to the church that he planted in the city of Thessalonica. And he has spent the majority of the letter giving thanks for their continued faithfulness, reminding them to live in a way that is pleasing to God, and then to continue to place their hope in the resurrection of Jesus. In many of the letters, Paul sort of gets after those he's writing to, especially in the book of, say, First Corinthians. He's calling them out on some stuff. But in Thessalonians, he's really... Telling them how proud and and honored he has been to be a part of what they are doing and to be their pastor. And so at the end of this letter, he wraps things up in chapter five and he says these words in verses 17 and 18. He says, Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Let me read that again so we don't miss it. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now those are some bold words, don't you think? Never stop praying, like never? Be thankful in all circumstances, like all of them, really? Like even when the Cardinals finish last in the NFL next season? You know it's going to happen. Okay, all right. Got some groans, that's good. I mean, what does it really look like to never stop praying? Is that even possible for us to never stop praying? I I mean, I still have to go to work, and I've got to you know do the details of my work. I need to go to school. Am I supposed to just be at my desk, head bowed, eyes closed, praying all of the time? What about when I'm at the grocery store? Am I supposed to be praying while I pick out Mushrooms or, God forbid, cantaloupe, right? I mean, the instruction of Paul seems unreasonable here, at least from first glance. But ceaseless prayer is quite possible when I think we shift our perspective of what it really is. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I'm convinced that we often view prayer as only a lifeline. As if God is some sort of, has some sort of cosmic phone number that we can text when things fall south. But Paul seems to indicate that it's much, much more than that. And that prayer should not be dependent on our circumstances. After all, he says after Never Stop Praying, be thankful in all of your circumstances no matter what may come. So then what is Paul inviting us into when he instructs us to never stop praying? Well, I like how one translation rewrites this passage. I think it gives us maybe a little bit deeper insight into what Paul is getting at and what ultimately God desires for us when it comes to the practice of prayer. This is what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18 in the Passion Translation. It writes, make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. Make your life a prayer. That is a completely different perspective on prayer than just seeing it as a lifeline that we tap into occasionally, isn't it? Paul is advocating a truth about prayer that has the power to enable us to be thankful and joyful in all circumstances, good or bad. A truth that enables us to stay connected with our creator God and continue to develop a life-changing relationship with him. And the truth that Paul is advocating is this. He is saying prayer is more than a lifeline. It's a lifestyle. Prayer is more than a lifeline, it's a lifestyle. In the book of Ephesians, Paul reiterates this point this way. He says in Ephesians 6, 18, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Listen, if you follow Jesus, do you know, do you need to be reminded that the spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead lives in you? Do you need to be reminded of that this morning in that the spirit itself is one that is transforming you into a person who makes his, his or her entire life a prayer? That's what Paul's talking about here. He, he's saying the, the spirit in all times and in all occasions will enable you to not just see prayer as a lifeline, but to see it as a lifestyle, something less about what you do and more about who you are. Now listen, while the song, Living on a Prayer, I think is actually a great starting point for how we can rely on God in our circumstances. God's prayer isn't that we would live on a prayer, but that we would live a lifestyle of prayer. Now I know when I say that, there's a lot of questions like, that sounds great, that's really you know insightful, but what in the world does that actually mean? And, and I've spent a lot of years trying to figure this out myself, talking with people who I feel like have developed this in them, that God has given them the ability to see prayer. It's not just this lifeline we reach out to when things go south, but actually it is a part of who they are. It is the way that they live. And there are some things about them that I have learned help me to understand what it means to live a lifestyle of prayer. And the first thing is this, to start to view prayer as a rhythm, and not a rip cord. I was thinking about rip cords, you know, like rip cords on a parachute. Uh, you know, rip cords are formed, the parachute's put together, and then it's stashed away in a plane for hopefully years, right? Nobody ever touches it, it just sits there. It's ready to be used when there's a dire emergency. And then when you put it on and you're falling at breakneck speed towards the ground, the ripcord is there for you to pull and let the parachute out and help you land safely to the ground. But ultimately, that ripcord just sits there for years, decades maybe, just waiting for an emergency to happen. And when it happens, then it's there but, but I often think that that's how we view prayer. Like, it's over here, it's stashed away, and I'll get to it when something happens, but really I don't need it until something goes south. Right? right? And we, we start to view prayer as this, this ripcord that, man, I'm going to put that parachute on, I'm falling, breakneck speed in life, I need to pull that ripcord now. And I want you to encourage you to see prayer as more than just a ripcord, but a rhythm that you establish in your life. Now look, there is certainly a place for reaching for prayer when life starts to unravel. It's one of the great promises of God, that he's there when things go south. The Bible invites us, though, to see it as more as a regular rhythm to life than a ripcord we reach for when life becomes unmanageable. And the reason for this is that we need a constant close connection with God if we want to experience the change that He can bring through the Spirit and enable us to participate in changing the lives of others in our world. We need that intimate, constant connection with God. And so if we only reach for prayer when we're desperate, when there's an emergency, we miss the purpose of prayer in the first place. You know, prayer is really the pathway to moving from knowing about God to really knowing God. If you really want to know the heart of God, prayer is your pathway towards it. When we begin to incorporate a rhythm of prayer in our lives, one that is constant, one is that is inconsistent, that is consistent, we develop this relationship with God we couldn't otherwise have. And so this rhythm ought to include intentional times of prayer, times that you set aside to say, I'm going to spend time carved out of my schedule to connect with my creator through Jesus Christ so that I might know him, that his spirit might continue to change my life. And Jesus exampled this for us, right? Jesus never told us to do anything or asked us to do anything. He didn't do himself. In Luke 5, 16, it says, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. He often did it. It was a constant, consistent rhythm in Jesus' life. What's really amazing is if you read the gospel stories, Jesus is a busy guy, right? One of the excuses for not creating a rhythm of prayer is like, I just don't have time. If nobody had time, it was Jesus, okay? Okay. He was a busy guy. Everybody was demanding his attention. They were demanding his healing. They were demanding his teaching. And even in the moments where there are thousands and thousands of people gathered there demanding so much of Jesus, the Gospels say the weirdest thing. It doesn't say, and then Jesus stood up, and he took all the praise, and everybody loved him, and everybody was healed. It says, he slipped away into the wilderness to pray, that is not a great marketing strategy, by the way. But Jesus understood that intimate connection with God was essential for him to be able to accomplish what he was set on earth to do. And he also knew, my people, my followers, the children of God, they need to know how to do this. Because, you know, when life keeps busy and stress compounds and, everything seems like it's just overwhelming, take it from Jesus, that is the perfect time to slip away in prayer. And so establishing a rhythm of prayer is doing this often, consistent, constantly, finding time to be able to pray each day where you say this, I'm gonna devote time to this. Morning An evening, maybe midday, I don't know. There's no, you know, there's no like recipe for it. But finding that space where you say, this is a rhythm for me to come together with God and to develop a lifestyle of prayer. View prayer as a rhythm less than a ripcord. Secondly, to develop this lifestyle of prayer, something I've learned is that we need to reimagine what prayer can be. When I was young, we had this picture in our home that embedded, I think, in my brain what I believed prayer should look like. And here was the picture. It's an image called Grace. Maybe you've seen this before. It was created by a Minnesotan uh, painter, which is why I believe it was in my house, because I lived in Minnesota, and my parents probably heard about it. And while I think it was a really good reminder of prayer, I also think it maybe had stunted my view and understanding of what prayer really was. I'm sure God never imagined the only time we would communicate with him is when we had time to get down on our knees in a place of quiet and solitude. That can't possibly be. I mean, it's a good thing to do. Don't get me wrong, right? Coloring out that time. But if that's all we do, then we're missing out the invitation that Paul extends to us to live out a lifestyle of prayer. Instead, prayer can be an active part of your life no matter what you are doing, no matter what you're doing. When you walk the dog, when you, you can talk to God, when you're, me, you know, walking through the grocery store or Costco for the fourth time that week, you can talk to God, right? When you're in, in a meeting at work, you can talk to God. When you're sitting in traffic, really, really talk to God in those moments, Amen. We just found out who the terrible drivers are. But even more than that, when, when you go for a walk, say, at night or in the morning, and you spend some time listening to a podcast or a sermon or worship music, do you realize that you're actively participating in a lifestyle of prayer in that moment? When you take time to listen to someone else's story or struggle, you're actively participating in a lifestyle of prayer. When you respond to the Spirit's movement to show compassion to somebody, you're actively participating in a lifestyle of prayer. When you respond to the instructions of the Bible and begin to apply them in your life, you're actively participating in a lifestyle of prayer. This is what I mean by reimagining what prayer actually is and can be. Yes, there is a place to get on your knees and in desperation meet with God intentionally through a rhythm of prayer, but that is not the only place it can or should happen. Through your walking, through your driving, through your conversations, through your work, through your family life, making food, eating dinner, going to bed, these are all moments to actively participate in a lifestyle of prayer you know, uh, I'm guilty of seeming like, I think, sometimes talking to myself. uh, And sometimes I do, which is, I don't know, I should probably be in therapy or something, but that's beside the point. But oftentimes, I'm not necessarily talking to myself, I'm just talking to God, right? Like, like, God, what, do you, what is it that you want from me right now? Like, oh, are there's things coming up? I'm nervous about it. What should I be thinking about? What Calm my anxiety, whatever it might be. There are constant opportunities for you to be in conversation with God. The promise of the scriptures is that through Jesus Christ, he came and died and rose again. And because of that, the veil between you and him has been torn and that you now, like Hebrews says, can come boldly before the throne of God. Bring your requests, bring your questions, bring your conversations to God. He is there. He is there and his spirit is there to develop a lifestyle of prayer with you. Lastly, so important, listen up, okay? Listen, listen, listen. If you want to develop a lifestyle of prayer, do not leave your Bible behind. Can I tell you how many times, I couldn't tell you how many times, somebody has said to me, you know, I was praying yesterday, and God said this to me, and I was like, there's no way God said that to you, because in his scriptures, he never says that, or he says the exact opposite, so let's be careful, right? There is a demonic force in this world that loves to sneak in your brain and go, this is what God is telling you. And if we don't have the truth of God paired with the prayers to God, we really won't know what God is saying. So don't leave your Bible behind. Scripture and prayer, man, they are intertwined. They are connected to each other. After Moses leads the Israelites to the promised land, And he appoints Joshua as the new leader of Israel. The very first instruction God gives to Joshua is this. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do if we want to develop a lifestyle of prayer that is led and formed by God's Spirit, then it must also be in line with what God has already spoken to us. The Bible shapes our prayers and gives us clarity on who God really is and what He has actually said and what His desire for our lives are. So don't leave your Bible behind. Whether you got a paper Bible or a you know, online Bible, I don't care how it comes, what form it comes in. It needs to be part of this rhythm that you establish. Prayer and scriptures work together in developing this lifestyle of prayer. You know, I think Bon Jovi was actually onto something when he wrote the song, Living on a Prayer. I mean, after all, because of God's grace through Jesus, we are able to pray to him through Jesus Christ as often as possible, The invitation, though, is that prayer wouldn't just be that lifeline we reach for when things go south or we fall on hard times, but a lifestyle that encompasses every nook and cranny of our lives. And I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this so much because it does not matter who you are or what you've done God is inviting you into a lifestyle of prayer with him. He is inviting every person that walks the face of this earth into an ongoing communication relationship with him through Jesus Christ. This is not just for those who have figured it all out. And if they tell you they figured it all out, run because they're lying. Okay? This is not just for the church people. This is for all people to place their faith in the person of Jesus Christ, to experience the change of the Holy Spirit living in them and to have constant connection with their creator, to lead and to guide and to show them the ultimate purpose for this life in this world. So I'm telling you, I don't know where you are today and it may may be contrary to what you've heard, but it really doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been. That invitation is for you. You've been invited to place your faith in the person and work of Jesus, who he is and what he has done for you on the cross. And as a result, you then have been granted VIP access to the God who loves and created you. By placing your faith in Jesus, you too can develop a lifestyle of prayer, one that will change your present and your future. And so this morning, I am inviting you to take a step of faith and say yes to Jesus, to place your life and your faith in him and watch what only he can do as he changes your life from the inside out and instills a lifestyle of prayer in you. Don't miss this. This is for you. This is for you. God came to earth in the person of Jesus and walked among us and lived the life we couldn't live and died the death that we deserve and rose again three days later to rip the the curtain that is between him and i to bring together the separation between god and you to bring you into eternal connection with your creator to develop in you a lifestyle of prayer that impacts your very present it impacts your very future and it will impact generations to come That's right. yeah. Yeah. and the only and the invitation is there for you to say yes I want want to be connected to my creator through Jesus. So in a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that, to just say yes. And maybe this morning, you just realize, man, I've just been treating prayer like a ripcord and a parachute underneath the seat. It's just been a lifeline for me. I desperately want this to be a lifestyle that I live, to reimagine what that could be, to establish a rhythm in my life of prayer, to, to bring my Bible the word of God, the living word of God to life in my own prayers. So let's pray together pray that God would establish not just the vision of a lifeline of prayer, but a vision of what it means to live a life of prayer. God, we thank you for the ability to come together this morning. We believe that the earth is yours and everything in it including the poets and the songwriters, generations past, even those who would never claim you as their own, God. You have worked through so many for thousands of years. It's amazing that even in a song like Living on a Prayer, we can hear you. We we can hear your words speaking to us. And so this morning, God, I invite your spirit to come and to reign among us, to live among us, to stir in our hearts a desire, to want to establish a lifestyle of prayer, to set up new rhythms of prayer, to get away with you, to imagine what it might be like to walk through our daily lives in constant connection with you, to bring the Bible front and center to our lives, that it might speak truth into who we are, what we do, and how we pray. Lord, I know that you are stirring the hearts of people in this room this morning. And they are desperate to know you. And if that is you, I invite you to take a step of faith this morning and say yes to Jesus. The Bible says that when we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that he is who he says he is, that he is the Messiah, the Savior, the King of kings, that we are saved, that we are brought into a new relationship with him. We have full access to the creator of this world. And if that's you this morning, will you just say yes to the invitation? And for all of us, God, I pray that you would bring us into a deeper understanding of what prayer is and can be in our lives. Thank you for Jesus the one who makes it all possible. I cannot imagine a life without Jesus. Without him coming to this earth, we would be hopeless. And yet through his life, death, and resurrection, we have been given a new lease on life, one that starts now and goes on forever and ever and ever. I pray all this in his name. Amen.